Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. Sometimes we start off series with just starting them with videos and different things, but this particular series is going to be focused very heavily on the story that we pull out of the Word of God. And if um, if I can, you know, our, our world is so driven by entertainment, sometimes it sneaks into the church, but we don't have to have entertainment to understand the Word of God, amen? Uh, and I hope that your mindset is one that the stories are good enough for me to listen to without having to be embellished. Or out without having to be bedazzled, okay? I didn't bring my bedazzler. I'm not going to bedazzle this story. I'm just going to tell you the stories the way they are as we're teaching them. And I promise you, if you're here for this series, it will change your life. So Matthew 14, this is a very interesting story of feeding the 5,000, what they say, feeding the 5,000. But we'll begin in verse number 14. It says, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude. And was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Everyone say, healed their sick. Interesting how he said it's their sick. Isn't everybody, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and all they that dwell therein. Aren't they his sick? But he says, I healed their sick. And so, God will heal people who aren't even in covenant with him. Oh yes, he will. And when it was an evening, and when it was evening, his disciples came to him saying, This is a desert place. It's a dry place we're in. And the time is now past. Send the multitude away that they may go into the village before it gets dark, it's basically before it becomes night, and find for themselves victuals or eating, a place to eat. In other words, all of the people that were in the desert place needed to go find a place to stay for the night and a place to get food. And this would be a good plan, wouldn't you think? The disciples were like, hey, let's cut off service, send them all into the city. They can find a place to eat and stay. It'll be good. That was a good plan. Everyone say a good plan. But God had a greater plan. And so we find that in the next verse, but Jesus said unto them, they need not depart, give them to eat. Uh, Lord, maybe you haven't noticed, but there's a lot of folks here and we don't have enough food. And they said unto him, we have here but five loaves and two fishes. And he said, bring them hither to me. It's amazing what God can do with our not enough. So I'm going to talk to you for a little while about what God can do when we give everything to him. You might have a good plan for your life. You might be doing real good right now. But if we understand that our good is never as good as God wants to give us, that there is the greater glory and we should all be striving for that. And I'd like to teach just for a little while in this series about when my story becomes used for his kingdom. And I want to talk about the greater glory. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. My story is one fraught with all kinds of frivolity and found in a place of faith in God and grace in God. And in that sense that I didn't really even know how blessed I was when I was young. How many have been there before? You didn't really understand how good you had it 
when you had it and then when you grew up and realized you know the the struggle that everyone says you're supposed to be having maybe i was just a little naive but i thought there was nothing like living where i lived there was nothing like growing up the way i grew up there was nothing like it and then when i got older someone told me you had damage and and that was news to me and i didn't know this and i didn't think anything of giving my life to god it wasn't uh, it wasn't anything that i thought that god wouldn't want me or god didn't need me i was raised to think that god loves everyone and that he desires to use our lives amen no matter how strong we are no matter how old no matter what color black white red purple polka dotted it did not matter god wants to use our lives and so Whenever my mom would begin to sing specials, she often would pick the song going through a little song book that she had, and, and there was one song that always effervesced to the top. It was a song that I didn't quite understand why people wanted to hear it, but there was always someone asking to hear this song. And it was little as much when God is in it. I don't know if you've ever heard that old song, but it was it was the most common requested for my mother when she played the piano. And she'd get up and sing little as much when God is in it and just go through that song. And there, I'd look around and there'd be people sitting in the pew, just tears, waterworks running down their face. And I was like, I don't understand why people are so moved by this, but they had lived an entire lifetime that I hadn't lived yet. And they had realized that no matter how little they feel and no matter how much lack they have and no matter how much loss they have felt in life, whatever they have left, even if the world would call it little, I feel like preaching this morning, if that's okay. Uh, even if the world would call it a little, if you bring it to God, he can use it for his glory and he can use it for power and he can use it for his might and he can make a big difference with little things amen oh the day of the little thing the bible says for us to not despise the day of little things because there is a there is a current and a power in finding out that no matter how little i have god can use it for his glory and there's greater glory found in the littlest of things Bible says it's the little fox that spoiled the vine and we know that there's little things that make a huge difference because in that text it talks about how this fox will grow up will crawl up the vine and the vine itself is often has its nourishment in its life near the surface and in the, the fox in trying to get to the grapes will claw at the vine and the vine will wither and it will die and so jesus said you are the vine you i am the vine and you are the branches and you have to understand that what he was saying there is that when you have an understanding of who your God is, that the life that's in him is our life. And we are oftentimes thinking that we have to keep our life all in order and keep everything in place and keep everything that God has given us in the right context. But sometimes life gets messy, amen? And in the moments of messiness, God is still trying to say, I am the life. If you stay connected to me, you will have the opportunity to see my glory unveiled in your life. And that glory will be amazing and magnificent. And this is what happened here. The disciples were like, hey, we've got a good plan to handle the hunger situation. We're going to send them into town. They're going to find food there. They're going to find lodging. And Jesus said, you don't have to send them away. You give them food. How are we going to give them food, Jesus? We don't have food for ourselves. How are we going to feed them? And he's like, well, what do you have? Bring me what you've got. And their 
concept of handling the situation was with their own strength. Well, there's strength in the city. We'll make a good decision. We'll send them into the city. But Jesus bypassed human strength entirely. He didn't say you needed to have better lunch program. He didn't say you needed to have meal tickets for everybody and start a buffet. He didn't worry about any of that. What he said was, whatever you've got, bring it to me. Amen? And I want you to know that in every situation, in every life, we can have a story where we give something to God and he bypasses all of our human efforts to bring a miracle to our life. I know people that say, well, you got to do this to build a church, and you got to do that to build a church, and you need to have good website and good marketing and this and that, and that and that all is true, and people use all of that. But I wonder what would happen if we stopped trying so hard to think about it ourselves and send everybody different ways and through different avenues and channels to meet their needs, but we just brought what we had to Jesus and said, God, if you would just take what we've got, and if you put your greater glory on it, we'd see something somebody filled with the Holy Ghost in our altars. We see people baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sin. We'd see the power of God come down in this house and we would see great things happen beyond human effort. And I would not at all be surprised if somebody would walk out of this place and into a restaurant and every head would turn and they would say, truly they have been with the Lord. Truly, there's something about them. And God could win a soul off of the fact that we just decided that God could get the glory in this place. Amen? So many stories fill the pages of our lives, and some we're proud of, and some not so much. We'd rather skip over. But the day our life really turns a page is when we give God the authority to write the story. When we truly take ourselves out of the picture and say, God... Tell the story through me the way you want to. Make me a parable in your kingdom. Make me a story worth telling. Make me a story worth sharing. And when you do that, it makes a huge difference. I don't know if you know this, but a true glory story is something that people try to hang on to all their life and maybe they embellish it a little bit Maybe they inflate it a little bit. It's like the fisherman who went fishing and he said, I caught a fish this big. <laughs> yeah, it was it was this big. And they just keep inflating the story about how big the fish is. One, one story that I think is powerful in this situation is the fact that the, there's very little said about the boy. In John 6 and 9, it actually gives a description of his lunch. And it says there is a lad here. They don't even give his name. They said, there is a lad here. Are we dripping over here? Oh boy. I think that's probably just condensation off the air conditioning unit. There's a lad here and he doesn't even have a name. He said, which have five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? Look, look at the text where you see a boy willing to give his lunch and even those receiving it don't think it's enough. Don't think it's much. 
Have you ever needed to give something to God and you thought God was going to use it strongly or God was going to use it and you could see things that God would do with your gift and you, you brought it to somebody to give it and maybe to the church or maybe you gave it through a friend or maybe you even helped somebody in a gift of kindness or charity and, and in that benevolence you thought, God, God told me to do this. I just want to share this with you. And they look at your gift and go, what's, what's this? Why? Are you trying to give me this? And they don't receive it the way you thought they would. I kind of feel like maybe this is how the lad was perceiving things. He brought all that he had, but you know what? Someone had to pack that lunch for him. And so someone somewhere made preparations for him to have what he had there. And Jesus knew that the fish and the loaves were going to be in the crowd that day. So that's why he told them to go get it. And I think it was not only a lesson here about the fact that the name wasn't necessary because the need was what was necessary. The name wasn't necessary for them to know because the boy just had what he had and he gave what he gave and that was what's most important for us to understand when God gets ready to do something we cannot be concerned about whose name gets put on it we cannot be concerned about who gets the credit for it we have to be willing to let God move and work and just say God to God be the glory I don't know who brought them to church when they got the Holy Ghost I don't know who's been teaching them the Bible study I don't know who put some some different things in their life of structure but God gives the increase some some plan some water, but God gives the increase. And I'm not interested in who did what. I'm interested in what God wants to do. And those are the kinds of stories when God gets a hold of them, he makes them into kingdom stories. We have to live through these things. This boy had to surrender the only lunch he had in order for there to be a lunch given back to him. And so he was willing to lay down what he had in order to receive a miracle from God. And to this day, we know him as the lad. But we're still talking about him thousands of years later. It would have been a good lunch. Fish and chips. Who doesn't like that? But it was a better lunch because it was given to him. And, and because God was doing more than just taking the boy's lunch. Isn't it interesting how the boy learned something from this lesson? But also God was teaching the disciples something from this lesson. Because he took it and he blessed it. And before a multiplication can ever happen in your life, you have to have the blessings of the Lord in your life. You have to know how to be a blessed person. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in that law doth he meditate day and night. If you're not meditating on the word of God, if you're not taking your advice from God's people and God's man and God's throne alone, if you're not listening to the, God, the voice of God and matching it to the word of God, if you're not making sure that you don't have scornfulness in your life and bitterness in your life. You need to make sure that you find out how does a blessed person live in the word of God because until God blesses your life, there may not be the miracles that you want to see. And that might be hard to swallow for some of us praying for big things from God. But I want to be a blessed man. And in being blessed, I'm not just looking for a handout from God. I'm trying to be blessed in the sense that I'm in the right standing with God. I'm in the right place. That his righteousness is on my life and that I'm living and walking sanctified and glorified in him. Amen. Amen. And in order to be in that standing, 
then I can find from the word of God that, okay, I am not letting scornfulness or bitterness into my life. Okay, I am not listening to voices I should not be listening to. And then doing so, I expect God to perform a miracle in my life. If I can find blessings in my life, there's going to be miracles right next to it. Oh my goodness. If I can find a place where God's blessing, you need to pursue that place in your life. If God starts blessing in one area, you need to run after that blessing because right behind that blessing comes a miracle because he blesses it and then he performs a multiplication. And when we see God blessing something in the house of God or in our lives, run after it, brothers and sisters. Go after it with all your heart. Go after it with everything that you got. Give it 110% because right behind it comes a miracle. Amen, 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 amen. So I preach to you today because I've seen so many things where people have had blessings in their life and they didn't recognize that God was doing a miracle right behind it and they just walked away with the blessing. Oh, good job. Glad you brought your lunch. You're blessed. Thanks so much. Jesus blessed it. It's awesome. Praise God. But had he not stayed, he would not have seen the miracle. And Jesus had them organize and sit down and get in order. And, and sometimes we don't get the miracles of God that we want to see because God has asked us to put something in order that we haven't put in order yet. He said, sit them down in groups of 50. Jesus could have just started blessing and handing out the food. But he said, I want you to organize before I give you your miracle. Because sometimes when God gives us a blessing and a miracle, it requires a different organization structure in our life to receive it. I don't know if I can say it any clearer than that. What, what really happens is when we have God move on our life in a very special way, anytime you have a restructuring take place in your life, it's because there was a need for you to do something different and whenever you have a job change or when you have an organizational change or you have a title change or you even take different, a different place or a different role in your own company that you're in, those things require that you reorganize your life so that you can handle the process and you can handle the, the purpose that you've been giving. If, given if something changes in my life, I personally realize, okay, what do I have to reorganize to handle this blessing and this miracle that's come to my life? What do I have to change and what do I have to organize? And so Jesus says, set them down in groups of 50. The original language, when it talks about 5,000 men, it uses the word men in Greek. But then it also here says there were women and children. Some people believe fifteen to 20,000 people were fed that day. What can God do with so little? He can do so much with so little. I really, pre I really preach that our decisions often determine our destiny. I preach that. Our, our course is what leads us to where God wants us to be, and, and those destinations are determined by decisions. I preach that. But let me also tell you about when, when a problem overcomes us and when a goal comes against us, that we have to realize that we have to pull back from anything that has happened from us before and realize that if we can organize and if we can seek God's face and if we can go after God, that we will have a change in our story where we can talk about about, hey, come let me tell you about a problem I overcame, and come let me tell you about a goal that I conquered, and come let me tell you the story about a time when I made a right decision, and come let me tell you about a time when I really made things change because I was willing to listen to the voice of God. After this last week, I, I, I'll be honest with you, which I, 
I don't know why people say that because that's the only we can, the only thing we can do. But I was standing, I was standing looking at the disaster, and and um, and in that rubble, I was just kind of like going, God, why, why has this happened? Why, why is this going through this church, and why is this taking place, and what's the point? And and I just really felt like I heard him say, "Just give it to me." Just give it to me and I'll take care of it. And that was a powerful moment for me because I thought that I had to kick into gear and start doing the pastor thing. You know, go fix it. Pastor, there's a problem. Come fix it. Here, pastor, this, this. Can you fix that? And Jesus said, I'm going to bypass all of your human effort and I'm going to fix this for you. And you won't even have to do a thing. So Monday, I'm on the phone and they're saying, you need to repair all of this because in your lease, it says that you put all fixtures and everything back the way they were in your lease. And I said, okay, great. We'll call insurance companies. We'll make sure everything happens. I'll be responsible and, and work the parties and I'll, I'll work all the trades that need to come in and get everything taken care of. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, I'm talking about the car crashing through into the church. I think everybody knows. If you don't know, you um, every, ask somebody in another church because they know. <laughs> It's everywhere. Everybody's like, what happened? How did that happen? And um, so all the different needs that were going to take place, we're going to have to meet people here in the morning, let the guys in, let them work, let them out at the end of the day, all of these different responsibilities. And I was like, God, I thought you were saying you were going to fix this. I thought you said you are going to take care of this. And about Tuesday afternoon, while I was dealing with all the weight of it, and all the responsibility of it, which is okay. I've done with, dealt with a lot of responsibility before as a pastor. I thought this is just another thing where I have to just help help it get fixed. And while I was having that Tuesday afternoon moment where I was like, oh, this is heavier than I thought it was going to be. All the phone calls coming in, insurance agents calling, wanting pictures. I'm working on a ladder trying to send pictures out and working at the same time. And it's just like, this is getting ridiculous. And then all of a sudden my phone goes off and I look down and I just feel like the Lord say, you trusted me. I'll show you how I can take care of it. And it was the management group of this building that called and said, you're responsible, you take care of it. They called back and said, no, actually, we decided we're going to take care of all of it. We're going to work with all the contractors. We're going to let them in and out for you and we're going to get that all backed and fixed for you. So... God did what he said he would do. And I think it's powerful that the decision to trust him was difficult for me. Like I was fighting that decision of fixing it myself whenever God said, I'm going to fix it for you. I'm going to take care of it. And I'm like, yeah, but it's, you know, people are calling and there's needs and I got to make sure that there's connections taking place. And God's like, I got this. And so out of this, somehow I find the chance for God to get greater glory and we were praying for God to give us more exposure. I don't know if you remember that or not. We were praying for God to let people know that we're here. They know now. People that were like, oh, I didn't even know you started a church in Brookfield. are like, oh, is that the church where they parked the car inside it? They know now. But God's going to get the greater glory out of this. Amen? Amen. I believe that, yes. And that wouldn't have been the story that I would have picked, Reese. 
That's not a story that I thought would be suitable for God to use, but he decides to park cars where he wants to park cars. And if God's in in control, he's in control of everything. And guess what? If God is able to do good with things that are bad, how much better can he do if we give him good things and he can make them great? He's able to take everything and take it up a notch. Amen? No matter what it is, no matter where we think we're at, he's able to take it from where it's at and take it further. And in fact, the Bible says he that finds his life loses it, but he that loses his life for God's sake or for the sake of the Lord will find it. And so if we look at the scriptures and we see that God is willing to take everything we give to him and turn it all around, then then the decisions that we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. The decisions we make right now determine the stories we tell tomorrow. And I want my story to be full of God's glory, amen? I don't want to be standing there going, look what I said. You know, Bruce Springsteen has a song called Glory Days. Have you ever heard of it? Some people know it if you're old enough and you weren't saved by, your, you know, by the time you were 12. You know that story. You know, you know what he's talking about when he's singing about them being old and talking about the days when they were young and they had glory stories to sing about and talk about. Guess what? When you live for God, you have glory stories your entire life. You can have gray hair and a cane and you're still talking about walking over and laying hands on somebody and seeing God move and touch them. It doesn't matter age or health. God can do something with your story and your life. It's most interesting to me to think back over life and realize even the seemingly insignificant decisions had a significant impact on my life. The smallest decisions has such a great impact. How can we begin to have our story bring him glory? It's so powerful that we learn there's three major things we can do to have God's story start showing up in every area of our life where we literally start being people of parables, amen? Where the, the, the lifestyle and the ways that we live and the stories that we talk about when we talk about God, they might think we're weird. That's fine. That's okay. Let them think that because they will come back to you you when they have a need in their life. Everybody's looking for a story right now. I don't even know why there's so many people looking for stories in their life. They're trying to build a story. They're trying to seek out glory. They're trying to do things. And people will say, hey, this might be a little bit crazy, but if we survive it, we'll have a boss story out of it. We'll have a crazy story to tell if we can get through this one. But the thing is that God is often trying to give us a story that's so powerful that not only does it become our story, but it becomes the kingdom's story story, that whenever we look back over the history of the word of God, we don't talk about the battle fought at Jericho without putting Joshua's name to it. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Joshua didn't fight that battle necessarily. God brought those walls down. Think about Joshua walking around those walls. Yeah, we're going to take the people of the most high and go on a hike every day around these walls that are insurmountable that they even say some historians that they rode chariots on top of the walls and they're looking down thinking that's awesome go ahead go for a hike get a suntan you guys are weird you're crazy but then they get to the seventh day and the Lord says we're going to take it up a notch and Joshua's probably like alright now we're going to see God do some stuff he's going to show himself and roll up his sleeves and God says yep we're going to walk around it seven times you're going to have to walk faster before sundown and Joshua's probably going, 
God, that doesn't make any sense to me at all. First, we're walking around at once. Now you want us to do it seven times in one day? We better get moving. So they start hiking really fast that day. And when they get to the end of the day, they're thinking, okay, now we're going to draw our swords and we're going to attack and God's going to give us the city. And God says, no, 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 no. You're going to shout with the voice of triumph. You're going you're to make a praise so loud that I take that resonance and I begin to shake the walls and I begin to shatter the structure. And so sometimes we have to realize that when we think God is doing his greatest work, if we'll apply some praise to it, if we'll give him some glory, if we'll lift him up and say, there's something more to this story. God's not done with this yet. God's not finished with this yet. It may look good, but he's got a great for every one of us. Amen. And I'm going to praise him till my good stories turn to great stories and give him glory. Until my story becomes a kingdom story that changes people's lives. And people talk about it for the rest of the days. That they talk about God's victories. Our names attached to it. And so it's not just about our name and it's not just about who did what. But it's about knowing how to give God glory from the personal struggles that you go through. Yeah, they're your struggles. They're your troubles. They're your trials. But when you've lived through them victoriously with Jesus Christ, they stop just being yours. And they become a kingdom story for use to save souls, to win people's hearts back to God who've drawn cold, to change lives that would not be changed had it not been for someone standing in front of them saying, I know it looks bad, but let me tell you about what I went through one time and Jesus helped me through it all. When you've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, you don't fear evil anymore. And when you walk into a place with courageous stories of God's glory in your life, you take dominion over things much quicker than you used to take dominion over things. You have a heart of bravery to go after spiritual things and to pray into spiritual realms that you would have never gone into had it not been for you having a few glory stories in your life. And here's some ways that you can do that. Number one is you need to ask yourself, what do I need to start? What do I need to start doing right now? I'm going through the word of God and memorizing scripture right now. There's a page I found in the back of my Bible that has all the major important memory verses. I'm in the process of learning them all because I want to be able to preach on my feet and just use the word of God as he's talking through me and just reach for souls while I'm preaching. I want to do that. So I've started memorizing the word of God. That's something that I felt like God told me to do. And this boy in the story has five fish or five loaves and two fish. What, does he need? what, what did he start doing? He just gave. Maybe you can just give of yourself, make yourself available to God by giving some more of your time to him. If you truly love God, you don't have to, you don't have to try to find time. You make time for God. And so we don't run out of time serving the Lord and seeking God in the mornings or in the evenings in our prayer time because if you love him, you will make time. Only God can do so much with the little that we have. And sometimes I feel like I have very little time. But I try to make sure that I get in what time I can. And, and sometimes sometimes all I get is my Bible reading in the morning and my prayer at night. Sometimes I have to split it up because I, I got such a busy day. But sometimes I choose to pray in the morning and then I read my Bible at night. But whatever you do, find something that you need to do personally and start doing it immediately. Because when we use the little 
Like, God, I, I've got so little this and I've got so little that. Why? Stop telling God what you have little of and just give it to him. And he'll make good out of it. So I, I, spent, I spent the day um, not too long ago saying, God, there's, there's little here and there's little there. And there's so much little here to, to use. Why isn't there more of that? And God just told me, just give it to him. And he said, when there's no visible sign that God is working for you and everything seems against you and you feel little faith, hold on to heaven because so much can be done with so little. He said, you go ahead and count on me if you like, if you want to. And you go ahead and trust in me because I've got the ability to make little much. And that's what I really feel like the Lord was talking to me about. And so what do you need to start? Maybe you need to start taking better care of your health. Maybe you need to start talking with people. Just start something. Don't try to make it perfect. Just start. Start a Bible study. Start start making it to men's night. Do, do something that starts you on your way. Because found in the remembrance of the little things, you will build great stories. When the doctor report says there's cancer and there's little hope, so much can be done with so little. When it's like all hope is lost, so much can be done with so little. When it seems like there's nothing, nothing left, left, I would cry out to God when I was younger and say, God, I've got so little to give. I remember those days because I didn't think I had all of the options and I have all the opportunities. And I would lay at the altar and I would say, God, I've got so little to give and I'm so, I'm not, I'm just not good at this. I'm not very qualified. I just don't have the family backing and, and, and I really don't have some of the qualities that I see these, these men that are trying to be preachers. I don't have all of those qualities. And God said, why do you worry about the little when I can take care of all of that? Maybe I'm talking to somebody here that has a lack somewhere in their life. Maybe it's not you personally in your personal life, but maybe it's where you came from. Maybe it's a relationship that fell apart. Maybe it's a relationship that you're trying to hold together as best you can. And you say, there's just so little there. There's just so little to hold it together. So little to hold on to. And God's like, would you just surrender it into my hands and let me do so much with that little bit because there is so much he can do when we give him all that we have left. And so, number one is start something. Just start somewhere. Number two, what do you need to stop? Stop seeing only negative things. Uh, that's worth saying. Scientific terms that are now coming in tell us that the human brain, when focusing on something, only sees that. If you begin to focus on negative things, you only see negative things. I think it's called narcissistic uh never mind i read it this week in an article and i can't recall it but they're saying that literally when you begin to focus on something you see it everywhere and that's why the scripture says whatsoever things are lovely or pure or honest or of good report think on these things because when you're looking for the honest things and you're looking for good report you see them everywhere you go and if you have ever tried to buy a car, we're in the process of trying to buy a car right now. And we looked at one particular brand of car, and I started seeing them everywhere. Why? Because that's how the brain works. 
it sees what it want what you're looking for and if you're just looking at negative things that's all you're going to see is negative things well this is my wife she never does this or my husband never does this or this relationship is so broken with my dad because he's such a mess you're never going to see a positive in anybody if all you're doing is looking at their negative because your brain will then process oh we're looking for negative things here's some more I'll serve it up you know that's what the brain does but if you start focusing on the positive things you'll begin to see something worth praising them about something worth complimenting them about something like hey that's a nice pair of shoes I don't know something wait a, that's a nice car you'll find a positive and then you and when you do that you'll realize I need to stop looking at the negative and remember the reminders that God has put into my life of all the good things that he has done hear me carefully the boy gave his lunch and what happened with that lunch was there is a multiplication and there were people fed and there were 12 baskets left over brothers and sisters where do you think those 12 baskets went to? God blessed it, broke it, and gave it to his disciples. He didn't give it to the people. He didn't meet their need. He gave it to the disciples so they would go and meet the need. And when he works through us, he allows us to be a part of the miracles. Amen? He allows us to be a part of the multiplication. God's not just going to answer everybody's need. He might go, here it is. You go meet their need. I'll give you the resource. I'll give you the job. I'll give you the finance. I'll give you the ability to give, and you go meet the need. So the boy gives his lunch. The disciples break the bread. They're hungry too, I'm sure. But they're giving out of themselves and giving out of this miracle and giving out and giving out. And they're still hungry, but they're giving out. And give. I wonder if they just took a quick bite, but maybe not. I don't know. But they just kept giving out and giving out. And they get to the end. And how many baskets were left? How many disciples were giving out? Twelve. How many baskets? Twelve. God gave the overflow of the glory story to his workers, to his servants. So when you sit here and go, I'm at church another Sunday. I'm here working on the music again. I'm here on the drum set working. And guess what? There's a basket waiting on you. There's a basket of miracle waiting on you because you put in the effort. You put in the time. You give of yourself. And in giving of yourself, God provides extra. And he puts them in a boat and sends them off to a storm. Where do you think those 12 baskets went? In the boat with them, I think. It just seems logical. Got food left over. We're going to go on a trip. Let's take it with us. It's a picnic. You know, it's in the basket already. Jesus packed you up lunch. <laughs> Put it in the boat. Take it with you. And they get into this storm. And the Bible says that the winds and waves were contrary. If I ever call you contrary, you know what I'm saying. I mean, you're being contrary today. And in that storm, they almost lost their faith. But they had a miracle on board with them to remind them. If they would have just looked at the baskets. They would have just turned and said, I know it looks bad. But there's enough food here for more than one day. So God knows we're getting through this. Amen? So the 12 baskets in the boat should have been an example to them that there's a miracle in the midst of a mess. Amen?
And that's what I found when I started digging through the rubble here at the church and I found the J off the Jeep. I was like, hey, there's a miracle in the midst of the mess. God's going to do something awesome. Amen. Would you stand with me today? I have more, but I really feel like I'm supposed to be done. So, and someone said amen. The last one is number number three. I'll finish with this. What do you need to start? Number one, what do you need to stop? Number two, and number three, what do you need to continue? He can get the glory from this, amen? God can get the glory from this. And no matter what happened, no matter how it happened, you have to know that things are sent against you. You have to know that. The spiritual world does control the natural world. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, amen? There are spiritual things at work. And so if it's sent against us, we're going to send it back to where it came from. Amen? With prayer and fasting, you confuse the devil on the worst day of your life if you praise God. He doesn't understand. And so last Sunday, yeah, we had church. We decided we're going to have a service. Doesn't matter what happened. And I've got a J to put on my shelf. And every time I look at that J, I go, devil's a liar. The devil's a liar. We're going to keep on in Jesus' name. Amen? When you live bigger than yourself, your story becomes an encouragement for someone else. When you live bigger than yourself, your story becomes an encouragement for somebody else. Job had the trial of his life, but when he got done, he got double for his trouble. You know that? And it's always Job's story, but it's what God did in it. And so I think that all these other examples I've already used, because I kind of preached my way through a sermon half here, half there. But my choice is not my glory in the stories that I live for. I choose the greater glory. If, if you want to do life the best you can do it, go ahead. You, you have a good life. You probably have a successful life. You'll probably be good at something, and somebody will pay you for that. But if you want a greater story, let God give that to you. Because there's only one way to see greater, and it's in God. It's going to be good. Yeah, you'll have a nice life. But I surrendered long ago my good for something greater. And that's what I want to give you today is that God has a greater for you. And so let's lift our hands to him right now and just ask God, Jesus, whatever we're pursuing right now, whatever is in our hearts and minds, whatever uh, has drawn someone away to uh, something that may even seem good, Lord God, would you just shine a light on the areas that need to be exposed and show that there's not enough good in anything we pursue that would keep us satisfied, that without you, God, we cannot have great. And in you, there is fullness and great. Lord Jesus for our life and we can be a partaker in the beautiful parables that you put into our lives would you make us a story worth telling each individual in here needs to find a surrender today that makes our story worth telling that we would be like Jesus and say not my will but thine be done if you feel like giving up today I want you to know that you're quit whatever it is that you're wanting to stop doing is right there's right on the other side of that a great glory that God can use 
if you would just surrender it to him. If you have a loved one or someone that needs God so desperately right now that if you just give it to God, he will make a great glory story out of their life. No matter how much they've lived it, no matter how close they are to the end of their life or how wrecked their life is right now. Why don't we let God pull a J out of the rebel of everybody's life? Why don't we let God do something powerful in this place and with the people that we know and the relationships we're connected to? Let God get greater glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen, 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 amen.